Hello and welcome to The Premise. Bienvenidos, mi amigos. I'm Jennifer Thompson. And I'm Chad Thompson. And this is, what, season three? Season three. Wow. We are in season three of getting to the story behind the storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do here on The Premise. So sit back, relax. Listen. Listen to your eight tracks. I dig you like an old soul record. <laughs> Enjoy a cup of tea, a glass of wine, a shot, you know, whatever. And you do you. You do you. We'll do us. No judgment. We'll do us. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Premise. I'm here with Chad. Hello, Chad. Hello. How are you? Uh, you know. All right. Fair. Fair to Midland, as they you know, say. No, expecting kittens. We are expecting Not kittens. Not me personally, but... Yeah, thank God. That'd be weird. Right. So, but I'm really excited about our guest today. We have Julie Slavinsky and Adrian Newell of Warwick's Books. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank Hi. you. I'm really excited about today's podcast. It's going to be good. We're going to kind of get down to like, you know, the secrets behind how to get into a bookstore. You know, what, what makes a bookseller? How does the machine work? Behind the curtain. Exactly. We're going to pull back the curtains. I like it. Or see how the sausage is made, which, you know. Oh, that's, that's another way to say gross, it. gross, but that's Grosser. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, but maybe, maybe it is that way. Curtains is. are soft it and plush. Well, that's bit. true. It's a little messy, isn't it? <laughs> Hopefully not that messy. Yeah. You've made sausage before. Oh, God. It was a disaster. <laughs> they were super dry. Yeah, we decided we wanted to make really healthy sausages. And let me tell you, sausages no. should not be, be healthy. healthy. No. Ever. No. Ever. No. No. Do not cut the fat content. Never. It doesn't work. So there you go. Well, Julie, yes. tell us what you do for Warwick's and a little bit of how long you've been there. Okay. I'm the director of events at Warwick's, and I've been there for years. So I've been there for 12 years this year. And 11 years doing the events. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And Adrian, what do you do for Warwick's? I do all of the adult book buying for nice. the store. And okay. then managing the kind of day-to-day -day operations. And you've been there for how many years? 33. That is incredible. That is quite a career. I thought 12 was good. I thought 12 was good, too. I was <laughs> impressed. <off. laughs> no, She's going to one-up you on this one. I'm trying to retire, but yeah. it's not it's going not well. well. It's not going well. Well, when you've been doing something so well for so long, it's hard to find a replacement. Well, everyone, all you listeners, if you know anyone who wants to be a book buyer, with lots of experience. With experience, please. <laughs> uh, there you know where to go. Therein lies the issue. So, Julie, I want to ask you, tell us a little bit about Warwick's. Oh, I think the 33-year-old person over here should. <laughs> All right. Adrian. No, I Warwick's is the um, oldest continuously owned, uh, family-owned and operated bookstore in the country. There are other stores that are older than us, but they have not been owned by the same family or have not been a bookstore the entire time. And uh, Nancy Warwick, fourth generation, wow. is the current owner. She and her sister, Kathy Warwick. Although Nancy is there every day and, um, you know, is, I, I guess, the um, principal principal partner. Very involved. Yeah, yeah, very involved. She does all the buying for the gift side and cards and um, other things like that. So it's um, it's been in La Jolla since... 30s, what? right? Yeah, since the 30s. In, oh, wow. In the location that we're currently in. Yeah. But it started in um, Mankato, Minnesota. Wow. And they just decided to up and move to beautiful, sunny La Jolla, California. I was going to say, you ever been to Mankato? I have not. Have you? No. Oh. But I've been to Minnesota. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'd rather be in La Jolla. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, it's if you think about San Diego businesses, we're probably one of the oldest businesses right? in San Diego. Yeah. Because we've been here since the 30s. So be probably hard pressed to find an older business in San Diego. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 1896 is that right mm -hmm. Warwick's was founded and yep. that's incredible and carried books the whole time because that was the thing too correct that people sometimes in, in, when you think about 1896 mm -hmm. it was probably a mercantile type of type of a store I think back in the day they carried wallpaper oh wow cool yeah. wallpapers back for in. a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and books yeah always cool. always books. always the yeah. books I love that it's passed down through the generations Warwick's is kind of the holy grail of bookstores in San Diego. I mean, we have amazing bookstores in we San do. Diego. Lots of great bookstores. Yes. 
But Warwick's is sort of like if you get your book in Warwick's, you just kind of you sort of made it. You feel like you've really accomplished something. <laughs> well, I mean, even though the store is it's it's big, but it's not big. And I'm going to use a word that Adrian hates, but it's true. It's and you do a fantastic job of it. Is Thank you. the curating and, mm. and making sure that. Mm -hmm what is there is relevant mm. on a really broad spectrum. That's hard to do. Super hard to do. Yeah. That's why we haven't found a replacement. <laughs> That's why we haven't found a replacement. Yeah. Well, and it's even harder because of COVID. Mm. We, I've always had some one or two booksellers who have helped me mm. either by a specific category. Um, John Hughes, who was with us for quite some time, did all the university press buying. Mm. Um, way smarter and better at that than I'll ever be <laughs> um, but I've always felt it was important to have more than one point of view and perspective yeah, yeah. so I've kind of missed that so are you the only book buyer now in the adult section currently okay but do you take opinions from staff I yes mean, so tell us how do you decide what books you're going to carry well <laughs> I know it's a big question <laughs> it, it, it is and it actually I'm in a buying cycle right now for mm -hmm. summer so um, typically there are two and and two in a short cycle so in May I'll start buying for fall mm. um, it's a combination of things we everything's gone digital so instead of paper catalogs I now go to Edelweiss which is a digital platform for catalogs for publishers and I will, my reps will send me a markup, and I will look at their markup notes. And then I also look at... Wait, tell us what a markup is. It's just a catalog with their annotations. They're I like, guess. hey, this book's going to be hot. You yeah, want this book. Or publicity information. Okay. Or, well, you know. let's step back a minute, though, and let's talk volume. Because let's talk about how many titles you, for just one publisher... Mm -hmm. for one season mm -hmm. and let's look at what seasons are i mean books are kind of like clothes so yeah. they have a season mm -hmm. totally so for what pick one publisher and so summer and fall are always the two biggest seasons so for instance random house which is the biggest publisher right now i see three different reps and then do they literally come to the store i mean let's they say pre-pandemic they do now yeah and then Stacy, our children's buyer, sees two reps just wow. for Random House. Wow. And so one, one catalog for Random House may have um, seven to 900 titles. So those for a season. For, one for a season. season. That's one catalog out wow. of, and for one season. So those markups highlight of those 700 what, what those she should want. pay attention to for specifically Warwick's. So that's correct? crazy. Correct. But I also look at print runs. I look at previous, previous. track. I look at, mm. you know, how, how, how many books have I already seen on this topic? Mm. Is it timely? I mean, is the time right right now for this? Or is it, should it be coming out, you know, is it more for gift giving time? Or um, So there are a lot of things that go into it. I, I look at um, what other booksellers are selling about or saying about the book. Mm. And you have bookseller meetings where you go and you talk about books once a year, don't you? Oh, you mean like conferences? Yeah, yes. conferences for yeah. books, book buyers, I should say. You're book buyers. It's really more just for the industry. Okay. Um, but there's usually some either component that's related to buying or a component that's related to events only. Right. Mm. There's Marketing. not some online forum where booksellers just get together and talk trash. Oh yeah, there's oh, Facebook there pages. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I'm not and on that. And watch out, baby. It's Joe. You 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 don't want to piss off a bookseller. But can I just throw it out there? It's, <laughs> it's mostly disgruntled booksellers yeah. who are venting. But, right. Yeah. It's and they share. Yeah. Uh, but but back to look her, out for this author. Yeah. But back to the volume. So that shows you the sheer number of titles that are out there. Okay, so 700 books. In one season, one catalog. In one season, one catalog. How many of those would you typically buy, do you think? Maybe 88 to 100. Okay. Wow. And that's just one. 
Okay, so we've got Random House. Okay, so tell us, what are the, is it the top three now? It's I mean, five. There's still there's five. still five. Okay, so what are the top five publishers? So it's Random industry? House, Simon & Schuster, Harper that just bought Houghton Mifflin, um, Macmillan, Hachette, Norton, W.W. Norton, which is the last independently owned publisher of any size. Hmm. What is a lot it of called again? W.W. Norton. Okay. Um, and then they're all of the... <laughs> there are all of the that, other yeah. like um like Grove like Atlantic. ips which is a consortium of a lot of small publishers mm -hmm. um consortium which is a another one <laughs> of many many very very small publishers and then we have so we have house reps so all of the main publishers would have house reps right then we have what we call commission reps and they might rep um 20 30 lines um and they're st strictly paid by commission and then they're all the university press reps wow yeah we didn't and even then talk to university, yeah. i want to take a step back for just a second mm -hmm. and talk about distribution and how it works because we've got there's traditional distribution and then there's wholesale distribution mm -hmm. and a lot of the authors you know we are the official podcast of the san diego writers festival warwick's is our official partner and a lot of our listeners are interested in you know hybrid and independent and they don't understand how books get into bookstores mm -hmm. so i want to explain you know Simon & Schuster, they have their own distribution arm of the publishing company. But for people who don't, for smaller presses, they go through Ingram, they, IPS, IPS, Consortium, IPG, mm -hmm. PW, Wes, Publishers, Wester, PWG. There's so many of them. So Yeah, PGW. PGW. PGW which is part you. of IPS now. Right. Okay. So talk to us about the difference between these and your interaction with those. But first, let's explain what traditional distribution is versus wholesale so all of the major publishers have their own warehouses um, although some of them are using ingram's warehouses for what they call rapid replenishment so it doesn't take as long 10 days for us to get a, a restock order um, most of the publisher warehouses are located obviously in the east hmm. where real estate is cheaper <laughs> um, and more space <clears throat> so for us on the west coast it takes a lot longer for us to get a, even a direct order mm. uh, versus, you know, if you're a bookstore in New York. Um, and, you know, keeping in mind, I know that that we are approached a lot by, I call them independently published authors yeah, who want placement or want to know how to get placement into the store. And, you know, it's a hard battle because they're up against so many there's so many books being published by traditional sources mm -hmm. once you filled your 3000 square feet well how many books do you think are published every year oh oh hundreds of thousands yes. like 250,000 if, if you if you include all of the independently published and that's not even including self published which is a whole other yeah we don't even consider the self published it's like well, this is just like you're talking independently published mm -hmm. and traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. And I, independent is traditional to a certain extent. It's just not, I mean, people get kind of confused when they, you know. Well, the distinction for me is if you've paid anybody mm -hmm. to publish your book, that's self-published. Self mm -hmm. And then there's, I am, I think of it a little differently. There's independent publishing for me, which is mean to me, you're independently publishing your book, mm -hmm. but you're doing it right. Correct. Self-publishing to me is you're doing it yourself and typically doing it wrong. You're not going to have mm -hmm. a good cover. It's not going to be edited. Mm -hmm. But a lot of indie authors maybe create their own press, but they use professionals to help them do it right. Well, and it also has to do with with what you said, distribution. If yeah. you and getting are distribution getting is distribution the is the is the key to it, no matter how it's produced. But and one of the things I mean, we could I know we're jumping around a little bit. We are, but we'll go back. But what we're talking about too, what she brings into the store has to be a good product yeah. that Warwick's is proud to put on the shelf. And you only have so much space. You only have so much space. So you want that product. Right. Whether it's independently published or traditionally published, and I'll use your Jennifer to your independently published mm -hmm. categorization. It's got to be a good product. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be something that if somebody's going to find it on our shelf, that Warwick's is like, okay, that's, you know. Well, I, I go beyond being a good product. 
there has to be a market for it yeah. right. yes. beyond your beyond friends that, and yes. family. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I've said very, in a different way, but it's like to people, who's your market? Yeah. What, what's your end game? Mm-hmm. If you just think it's going to be of interest to your friends and family, then just print it at Kinko's and give it give it away, or go online and use one of the oh, yeah. the, the great yeah. um, little print options print on demand yeah yeah and and just give it to them it's like you know you might your friends and family might think your story is amazing but that might be an audience of 10 Mm -hmm. you know and again you're competing with thousands of books that have gone the traditional route agent you know get sold to a house it has the the publishing company's marketing and graphic design and packaging um, expertise and experience behind it. Um, And so they finish, you know, it's a nice finished product. And you can't be anxious if you want to go that route. It is a time consuming route. Correct. And, but your end result, if you do think that it is something you want the general world to see is worth the patience Mm -hmm. to get it there. And just to be blunt in the, 33 years I've been at Warwick's and the 20 some years that I've been the buyer, I've seen a lot of self-published books. Mm -hmm. And I would say probably maybe 1% actually worked and could have possibly been picked up. In fact, we had one that was picked up by a professional or, you know, a Traditional house. A traditional house. Mm -hmm. Because I presented it to my rep and I said, you know, we've been selling hundreds of copies of this. I Mm. think there's a market for this. Wow. That's one. Yeah. But the other thing to go back to, too, is that, and don't forget, the bookstore is a business. Totally. So (laughs) we're not just a showcase. Mm -hmm. So we have to, so going back to distribution, like you spoke about. Yeah. That book that comes through from an independently published group, which might be the audience that's listening. We have to be able to source that through how we normally, we, we can't be doing these side, like, oh, it's a consignment. Oh, it's, yeah. it, it has to go through one of our, it, our main channels of who we get. Someone we already from. have an account with. And right. like Ingram is a yeah. daily, daily order. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's some other of the smaller ones, it might not get replenished as quickly. Well, and, and I like your comment about we're a business. It's mm-hmm. so funny. I think a lot of times people think that the book industry, which is in the retail segment, mm. somehow we should be less interested in making money. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of times they'll approach us, well, you know, we're, we're your good customers or, yeah. you know, we want this, you know, you're our community resource, which we want to be. Mm-hmm. But in order to remain the community resource, we need to be profitable. Absolutely. And... You know, it's, I, when I'm buying, I'm always buying for placement. Where is this going in the store? In the store. How many books are in your store at any given time, do you think? Mm, right Titles. now, probably about maybe seventeen to 20,000 different titles. Wow. Um, and I look at it as dollars. Yeah. Every placement in the store to me is, is, a, dollar. is a dollar. And, you know, I just had an appointment with one of my Random House reps and, you know, there were some things that, you know, he thought I should buy. And I just said, you know, I I don't know where I'm going to put it, where it's mm. going to find. I'd rather put a stack of something that I'm fairly certain will sell mm-hmm. versus taking up that space, which is limited for a title that I have no idea yeah. who, who the audience, if, if we have the audience for it. And sometimes you have to make those choices based upon... Um, what's going to sell because because it truly still is discoverability yeah yeah it is you want what's in your store to people to walk by i mean yes we have booksellers that will hand sell you know that but Mm. it's discovery so where the placement is and people coming in general person just walking in yeah you know that's where the vast majority of our sales come from Oh, absolutely. I walk and, into a bookstore and I can't wait. It's like candy. I'm like, right. oh, all these beautiful exactly. covers. And, exactly. and I'm sorry, but people do judge a book by its cover. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, <laughs> so, they do. A hundred percent. It's It's got to have a great cover mm-hmm. or something about it that just makes you, you know, it's like, oh, 
unless it's a bestseller or a name that you're you know sure. familiar with. Sure, but it's know. still going to have a good cover if it's a right. bestseller. Correct. Well, let's sidetrack for just a second. Um, trends, trends and book covers. Book cover mm. design has really changed a lot mm. in the last 10 years. Right now, if it has a flower on it, it seems like it's going to be a bestseller. <laughs> like, d- talk to us about your experience with, like, just watching the book cover trends. Oh, I think that they, they have three designers, and they, <laughs> all, and they all meet up on a regular basis yes. and go, okay, this month or this season, everything's going to be red. And, gra- <laughs> and graphic. Yeah. yeah Everyone's I, like, what is Chip Kid doing this season? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'll, sometimes because we have a... Uh, we put a lot of our new release hardbacks in our front windows and I'll look and I'll go they all look alike they all look the same (laughs) how did did we get from seven different publishers how did we get six books that all have red covers it's Mm -hmm. it's uncanny it really is uncanny Mm. and the trends in in because you think about going traditional publishing how many years it's been since that date was going to be planned yeah that for was that two years ago come, right correct. correct yeah and then all of a sudden there will be five books out on you know one particular segment of a genre yeah mm-hmm. like how did that happen mm-hmm. in the same season <laughs> it is like clothing it is it's really interesting and if i see one more historical mm. about world war ii <laughs> with a woman's back <laughs> or sitting on a suitcase on a suitcase the suitcase or headless they used to all be headless yeah. for a long but now time. there's a little bit of a profile happening oh yeah it, it's like but it's true you know come on but that's what defines the genre oh boy (laughs) but it's so funny like when i talk to people about book design i'm like it has to fit squarely in the genre and that's what we mean it looks like what it is you look at it and you go oh yeah that's historical fiction it's probably about world war ii right well and then the (laughs) they've been doing this thing with (laughs) what i call clip art Mm -hmm. so they'll have this great cover image and then superimposed will be this what looks like a clip art silhouette of somebody, like a woman, if mm-hmm. it's a mystery. And it's like, take, and what I do this exercise with my reps. I say, cover that silhouetted image. It's a much stronger cover. It's like, why? Why? You yeah. don't have to be what literal was, about what was, everything. What was the one that was like, that took every single, it had the mountains, the horse. Uh, oh, the one? <laughs> the whisk, shack? No, whisk, whiskey when we're dry. Yes. We love that book. Yes. And they changed the cover on the, Hardback had this great cover. Had a great cover. This is another trend I'm seeing. It used to be that they would never change the cover. Mm. Now, if they don't see the sales they think they should have seen, Uh they think it's the cover. So they change the trade. So they'll change the trade paperback, which drives me crazy because a lot of times (laughs) people will buy that not realizing that that they've already already bought it. it. Oh, my God. Because it's so different. Which is another, like... I've actually done that. Right. Yeah. I'm actually one of those people. Or the movie comes out and they do the same thing. The they movies, put the actors oh, the on the movie, cover. And they're like, the oh, worst. damn it. Now I own three dunes. And yeah. <laughs> now they even change the title occasionally. Yeah. Now that's because not okay. Because the movie title had changed. Oh. And it's like, oh. why are you changing the title? Yeah. And I'll look at it even when I'm looking at it in the, in the catalog to buy it. And I'm like, Slightly is this familiar. an original, a paperback original? <laughs> yeah. And then I'll look down in the markup and I'll see, oh, it was previously titled, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, it's... And so go back to your original thing before we started this, where yeah, like there's some magic, yeah, <laughs> where there's some magic or like, there's no one right answer. Mm-hmm. And nobody can like find that magic bullet. Yeah. That's going to make you this bestseller or make you get into a store. It's, yeah. It's so much, and this is a horrible thing to say, but a lot of it is timing and luck. Yeah. And it happens to be, I mean, this is bad too, but like for events, for me, I don't know if you do this, but it's my mood. Mm. I mean, two people can come back at me with the same thing, and one day it might be like, no, I'm not doing that. And the next day it's like, oh, yeah, I guess we could do that. I guess I'll do that. It depends on traffic headed to, headed to work, whether or not you're going to get a good answer from Julie. I try not to. <laughs> it's so true. I, I'm sure at some points that, you know, my mood does affect what I what I buy. Or it, For me, it's more about my relationship with that particular rep, mm-hmm. which is so crucial. I have crucial. one or two reps where I would be more than okay with them doing mm. the, just putting their suggested numbers in. Mm. And there may be you know a 1% variation. Wow. 
even the quantities. Wow. Um, now, I have other reps that if they tell me yes, I you like, say no. It's a no. But see, this is fascinating because you have relationships with mm -hmm. these people that help you make these decisions, and that's part and of the, trust. the machine. Yes. And, and it is trust. trust. It's all I, Julie and I say all the time. This business is all about relationship mm -hmm. and trust. Mm -hmm. And that's you know I've worked with some of these reps for you know twenty years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that continuity too. There's that thread. Because I think in, sometimes in order to build trust, you also have to have time. Sure. You know, and if you're constantly working like 33 with, a new, years. with a new rep, <laughs> it's hard to develop that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they have to put in the time and come mm -hmm. visit and get to know you and what your likes are. Pay attention to, I mean, one of the things I love about, I would say all indie bookstores do this, but Warwick's does it really well, is certain readers your booksellers are readers and mm -hmm. they recommend books yeah so i know if julie recommends this book i'm gonna love it because right. everything julie recommends i love right so that's trust too right it's correct trust. that's a relationship and that's to me where when you're a bookseller on the floor it's so fun to create those relationships i still mm -hmm. i was only on the floor for a year at warwick's not even not even a year like 10 months before i did the events but I still have a couple of customers who email me, or because I'm now email, but when I was um, pre-COVID, at, still at the store, would come, what are you reading? What do I need to read? What do I get today? And that was, you know, they, there's that, and it's it's completely a trust. I don't even have to tell them what the synopsis is. It's just like, trust me, just read that one. You'll like it. But so, going, um, yeah, go ahead. D digressing a bit, going back to the how to, how to choose, mm -hmm. um, there's a there's also a difference between independent bookstores in that some are very very general independent bookstores, so we don't come at things from a particular um, like philosophical or political kind of bent. Um, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but we were just a general bookstore. Sure, so like mysterious galaxy is going to have yeah they're going to do their very thing. genre based yeah but there are also independent bookstores that are very very successful and well known and very well established that are known for activism mm -hmm. and other things like that and very so cool. yeah that's also kind of an interesting um, I, I I probably you know what what i buy would probably be not considered okay by some of those stores mm. because i'm trying to represent across the because spectrum. our customer base has exactly. exhibited that that's what they want to buy exactly sure. so it has to do with what who's coming in the doors and what they're buying and, and back to we're a business and do i hold my nose sometimes absolutely mm. but i can't let my you personal, can't love every book well and right. i can't let my that's personal yeah. opinions yeah and feelings, and it, it was a particularly... Um, 2016. Yeah, well, but also, <laughs> but also moving into COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and sort of the, the whole political um, upheavals that we've had, it, it made it a little more, it, it made it trickier to navigate hmm. your both sides, customers on both sides. And we're seeing more of that moving into the future, mm -hmm. aren't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As yeah. a as a book buyer, mm -hmm. how do you how do you how do you navigate well, and that? I had a conversation just again a couple of days ago, and I said, you know, I don't see who the market is for this book. Yes, it's going to sell, but it's only going to sell to the people who agree with it. Mm. And so I would rather take that space and put something that's not political mm. than something that, in my mind, is just preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. Got it. I, and that. You're looking I, for I see that dollars. on both sides. It's like yeah, the person yeah. who should be reading this book is not going to pick it up. Right, mm. right. So Isn't that always the case? Correct. So <laughs> why would I take that space for that when I can, you know, maybe sell a book about horses or something? <laughs> no, totally. Or surfing or yeah, a good mystery. Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, something know, feel good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Feel good. We need yeah. more... You know, I, I, horses oh. was a little specific there. Yeah, <laughs> That's because I just started reading one about horses. Nice. Very good. Um, <laughs> so it's fresh in my mind. Well, okay. So I want to break it down for our listeners. And by the way, we do have a wide range, not just indie. Right. We have a lot of traditionally published authors mm -hmm. who are also listeners and just readers. Right. So traditional distribution is really a machine where there's a sales force they're coming to you they're telling you what 
what is going to what they think is reasonably going to sell. There's also a big marketing force behind that. Yeah. Okay. So, Which is advertising key. budget. That, so let's talk about this. Key, then. Tell us key. about this. Mis- okay. Why? Who wants to go first? Julie. <laughs> well, am I talking publicity? Yeah, you yeah. can talk the publicity part. The publicity part, because when you, but but see, we're, and that's the other thing too, though. We're the bottom or the tail end of the food chain on this thing. We're at the very bottom. We're at the very bottom of the food chain. I would say you're the top, but okay. (laughs) But there's so much that happens before a book. And then once the publicity machine hits, you know, and you talked about the conferences that we go to. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. think about all those hundreds and thousands of titles. And then we go to a conference that maybe, maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred authors will get featured at a a week-long conference. That will that so out of hundreds of thousands out of, of books. hundreds of thousands of books. Wow! So, that, so they're pushing these authors. Correct. So they're you know, and it, it's all based on money on what the what did they pay for this book? Mm. And those booth spaces are not cheap. Those mm. booth spaces aren't cheap. And mm-hmm. so what did they what did they pay for this book? Mm-hmm. That's going to dictate how much they put into it on the publicity and the marketing and the and what kind of tour they're going to pay for that author to do. Wait, let me stop here a yeah. minute. So if you're looking for an agent, you get signed and then someone offers you $10,000, turn it down, look for something bigger. Because your book's never, I mean, that's really, it's kind of. they're I telling mean, you, meh. You need six figures or nothing. We'll put you on the shelf, but. Kind of. I mean, yeah, the best thing is if your book goes to auction. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And that and now there's so much going on in the world of edit, you know, junior editors. Either you if you follow Twitter at all in the book world, there's just so much dissent that's happening. Um, mm. So how there is yes. there is and the, the that's whole, a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation <laughs> and the whole query yeah. thing that's happening and getting an agent. But it's and there's never been just one answer. Mm. And now it's even harder. Mm. I mean, people that have published traditionally. Three or f- three to five years ago, it's a whole different ball game today mm-hmm. than Why? it was. It just has changed. Just well, there's so many ways you can publish now. Right. So when I first started out in the industry, we called self-publishing vanity publishing sure. because it's exactly what that's it was. That's what it was. Yeah. And now they that's paid. Not the case. You know, there were joy of cooking. There were organizations or companies that you could pay, and they would publish your book, and then promise you marketing, but not always come through. Yeah. And I would get. Um, books in the mail from these like Vantage I think was one of them Um, they would send books out with you know like a little cover letter and you know I would just like look at it and put it aside because that was never something we were going to pick up and we used to take books on consignment way back in the day Mm. It takes so much more time. Yeah, it's, and back to the business part of it, it just is not economical. You know, you're that. writing a check for you know two copies yeah. of a you know sixteen dollar paperback. Right. So that's why we have to do everything through like an Ingram. I mean, Ingram. I would mm-hmm. say Ingram is of. The, let's take once she does her initial buy from a publisher, she does do some publisher orders, but w- w- that aren't in a buy cycle. Mm-hmm. But I do restock orders. Restock every orders, day. yeah. Oh, wow, with no. the publishers, and then through Ingram. So yeah. those are really the main. And so when it if it's outside of that system, back to your distribution thing, it's very hard as a business to. Well, and isn't it true? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But isn't it true that like if you order everything through Ingram and you have a higher volume, then you get a better deal? Mm. No. No. Okay. No, I mean the industry has set discount schedules Mm. um otherwise they would be sued right and Um, so we have so we have what we consider regular on the other end from where you guys are coming from on what you'll give that distributor yeah to what percentage you give on that side dictates whether we get what we call a regular regular discount yeah a standard standard discount if it's not standard then it becomes a short discount what we call a short discount so let's use an example. Mm-hmm. So I have a book that is independently published, and I'm encouraging the author to list it at 55% off, returnable, mm-hmm. on Ingram. But see, that's not what we get. Exactly. Yeah. You get a lot lower. Correct. Correct. Ingram takes a cut. Correct. Correct. Ingram Spark takes a cut. Correct. So if, and I don't even know, we don't know what, 
Ingram considers to us what a regular discount from your side of it would yeah. be. You, you, don't know even, I mean? you don't even know that number. No. Well, and no. Ingram's making money on the volume. Mm-hmm. So they may only get a percentage point or Once two. everything's set up, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're, so they're making, their money is made just strictly on the volume that they're passing um, through. Yeah. yeah. Um, but going back to my point about back in the day, <laughs> back in the good old days, um, there weren't that many options for even self-publishing. Yeah. You had to have money so that you could pay one of these vanity presses to publish your book. Mm. Now it's so easy. It really is. And to do that it poorly. Just, and, and that just adds to the, you know. <laughs> volume. Every, just adds everybody to the thinks they're mm. a writer and everybody thinks their story is important. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I kind of celebrate that, that there's mm-hmm. that much like, oh sure yeah like for sure. confidence and you know they want to share with the world but um but going back to they wouldn't have about, had the choices right mm-hmm. but back to the traditional marketing so back to your thing about if you have an agent and what you get and mm-hmm. should you hold out i say if somebody's offering you any money for your book you should take it mm, because okay. it's unless it's an auction type of thing. I mean, if you've yeah. got three or four people that are interested, that's a different thing. If you've only got one person that's interested and they're going to offer you some money, probably it. take it. Well, mm. and it depends on what you're, how you work your contract. Right. True. You know, like what they do in the movies. If right. sometimes an actor will say, I'll take much less on the front, but I'm going to take more on the back end. Right. Mm. And that's all a whole thing. Uh, we could have a whole agent conversation yeah. too. Yeah. I'd actually like to, not today. No. But, but that's but that's, but that's a, a great idea. So we'll even bring in an agent. Right. But, so sometimes and sometimes when the publishing, you know, publicity marketing, they will because they spent so much money on a book, mm-hmm. they will inundate you with it. Right. And it might not be a very good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once the booksellers get it, it's just sort of like, oh, mm-hmm. just because it's published by a traditional publisher doesn't mean it's good. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's going to be a bestseller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even yeah. though they have done this push because the public we are the first line to the public and so we can sometimes tell if it's good or bad but the public will really determine (laughs) if a book is gonna succeed or not and that's really the bottom line well and i so the way i look at it is i i pay somebody to do my taxes Hmm. i could probably figure it out and Mm -hmm. do it but it wouldn't be nearly as good (laughs) Um, and i might make a huge mistake Hmm. there are professionals who are professional for a reason and in the same way you know so if you want to self-publish you should pay for a good editor Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have your friends and family read it and Mm -hmm. edit it you need to pay for an editor then you also need to uh, someone who actually does that for a living correct correct then you should probably also talk to somebody to say to to just tell you like a like a business model Mm -hmm. or plan Mm -hmm. you need to have a plan yeah do you um, want to be the distributor of your own book? Right. No, you, no, you do no, not. No, you do not. <laughs> that, oh, is, hell no. that, is, that is the number one question is no, you do not. Yeah. And when we used to take books on consignment, you would see that over and over. They'd be really excited. You mm. know? They'd bring you, you know, the 10 copies or the five copies you're going to carry. They would literally call you every day to see how many copies it sold. Oh, wow. And then gradually... They stop calling. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, five years later, I'm still trying to track them down to get them to pick up their four books. Well, wow. the other thing to that point, that though, sell. is that I think in going back to war- bringing it back to like Warwick's and why people want to be a Warwick's, I also think that people have this idea that hundreds of copies of their book are going, we're going to stock a hundred copies of their book yeah. at the store. Really? Or, you know, <laughs> oh, people will think even, huh. even tens a lot. Yeah, for us yeah, of take. course. When you only have so much, right? But shelf there space. is this: the authors will come and think that we should take like twenty or thirty copies of their book, and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll take two mm-hmm. if we're doing it that way. Yeah, you know when it's yeah. Like, yeah, this isn't Costco. Either. Yeah, totally. And so then it's just so there's there's a an education and a perception issue too. Well, yeah. most of the books we carry in the store might only sell one to five copies. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Wow. And some of them don't sell at all. Right. And you send them back. And Correct. I send them back. Which and, is just crazy. And Correct. that's the other thing. That's it's like, if you carry one of their, a self-published book, they expect you to carry it forever. forever. Right. And it's like, no, or it's, not how, it it's not how this works. But the other thing too, with, and why we carry books and why she chooses you know books and we'll have stacks on the table and return them the publishers want that discoverability yeah that somebody might 
pick that up and do it. So they want that volume out there of, mm. of titles and they <laughs> want you to take the risk of buying five. We'll take them back if nobody. So there is a mentality of mm. publishing that that's part of the business plan. I was told one time by a major publishing house that I wasn't buying enough because wow. my return percentage with them was 12%. Wow. You know, huh. they, which I they think good a, for you. Yeah. That's awesome. They yeah. have an expectation of 18, used to be 25%. They've lowered it wow. now. It's yeah. more like 18 to 20 on average. Hmm. And they told me I wasn't taking enough chances. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So that's a whole other. So even though I was managing, because I look at turns, you know, and, um, and which really affects your profitability and um, the cost of returning postage costs have really skyrocketed so yeah. you know a box yeah. of returns and you pay for returns yes Ooh. okay so a box of returns may cost me thirty dollars wow just to re just in freight mm. um, you can't just hand that off to the rep that comes by <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> so you know Bring i want to i want to minimize that because it's time on our end of course it's money on our end um but they yeah publishers want because they've spent so much money on those books, they want them out on a table somewhere well, me, for people to look at. Exactly. But let mm. me ask you a question. So an author hits New York Times bestseller. It's my understanding that that's based on how many books are shipped to bookstores. It's actual book sales. It, nobody really knows. Oh. <laughs> First of all, nobody really knows. I think that's a component, mm -hmm. but there's also a theory out there that it's an algorithm. Mm. That it is like if it's sold through the indie channel, they'll say, let's say 10 copies sold, they'll wait, but it. They'll wait yeah. it. So that's really times five. And where if Amazon sales might be minus X. Wow. So it's an algorithm hmm. that is weighted. Interesting. So there's really nobody really knows. Okay. The, and New York Times keeps that very close to their chest on how they do it. So there's no because people try to think, oh, if I buy five thousand copies of my, I book, can be a New York Times bestseller. My political action committee buys Correct. ten thousand copies. I can get on the New York Times list, and that's why they don't really tell you how. Yeah. It's so done. they'll wait. Huh. They'll they'll still they still want you to report a bulk sale to sure, them. Sure. But they but they wait it. They, they that factor will, that out in this. You know, so right. you're reporting, the publishers are reporting, and then they wait it. Interesting. Yeah. And publishers typically pay for space, like in Barnes and Noble and big stores, like NCAP space and window space, mm -hmm. and though that space is paid for. Correct. Well, and there's and we also get a co-op. Okay. For, so these are co-op dollars, we, but it's different. It's so, different than the indie channel. So, for instance, uh, Hudson News, for instance, it does all the airport stores. <laughs> yeah. And we, we actually have a partnership with them at the San Diego airport. So their buyer can go to a publisher and say, we will do a display of X number of your titles in this many of our airport stores for this amount of time, mm. and we're going to get X amount of dollars back. <clears throat> because they do such volume. It's, it's basically paid advertising. Correct. Correct. Yeah. They do such volume. Yeah. So I have co-op um, agreements with publishers, major publishers, but I can't go and say, I'm going to put, you know, five of your titles in our front window, mm -hmm. which I do anyway, for X amount of days. And I want this much money, you yeah. know, $5,000. Right. We get co-op based upon the volume. Um, and what we advertise, like our newsletters and, and things that we're out, what we're doing and to events. promote and events. So that's how we get the co-op But it's, it's in proportion Got you. to what we're to selling. So, yeah. And yeah. I don't buy my titles based upon the co-op. Right. See, right. that's the beauty of an independent bookstore. And one of the things I tell all of my authors is, okay, don't just list an Amazon button for God's sake. And don't just list a Barnes & Noble. Put your favorite local can I indie bookstore oh, buy now on your website can I get, like can we do this in stereo yeah can yeah do it it's listening it wants an event at an independent bookstore please do not link to me how well your book's doing on amazon oh my god seriously Just or please don't or provide the amazon link as the only, only way to get the information about, about your the book. book wow people do that all oh, yes. the time wow okay i'm gonna write a blog post they do that. the same thing with oh. me yeah. they want me to carry the book and, and here's a link all, to amazon they don't give yeah. me the title or anything here's the link to my 
Yeah. It's like, no. How about yeah. a little more effort here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, well, they don't I, understand that Amazon is our biggest competitor. Well, and it's so hard to compete with well, Amazon well, because they undersell. The, well, it's like, but it's, nobody wants to, what is it? It's the single biggest threat to any retail business is Amazon. Yeah. Oh, even cat food. Any. Yeah. All so, yeah. and your tax dollars and where you spend your money matters. I think I heard recently that Jeff Bezos is $81 billion richer since the pandemic. Yeah, correct. Correct. That's nuts. Correct. But so, but so back to, and people I'm making this who, political, and aren't who, I? Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> but people who want to have events at the store or have us carry the, their book, I guess, you know, why when all you have do, a marketing plan when all you do on your website and your social media mm, and everything is linking to Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. And I get that the rankings are huge and all that matters and this and that. But then don't ha- don't want to have an event with us. We don't we don't well, mind. And here's an, if all you want to do is do Amazon. That's that's fine. fine right? That's fine. But here's a tip that a lot of authors don't know. Their book, they can link to Warwick's. Correct, correct. Because you have every single book that's available through your distributor. Which is through through Ingram. Ingram. Correct. If their book is available, even through wholesale, you can link to Warwick's and you'll buy that book to sell. Correct. Well, and if someone places an order. Correct. In fairness to self-published authors, they're not the only ones that do that. No. Yeah. And it's so annoying. Mm. With even the big name best-selling authors. Oh, we fight this battle with the publishers on the really? publisher site. Yes, when you really? go to a publisher's site and you look up a book from a pub <sighs> like Simon and Schuster, the first one there is they buy the book <gasps> at Amazon. So this is not just independent. It's a culture. Like, it's, what we've it's done. a culture. Mm-hmm. It's a cultural thing. But <laughs> your expectation to a store like Warwick's and wanting to either carry your book or have an event mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like. We only have so much time and so much mm-hmm. space to do things. Yeah. And so we have to make our choices. So if it's not just a one off for us. So mm-hmm. why are we, you know, why do you want to do this? Well, with us? and we're gonna sell your book and give you placement in the store, but we're gonna sell your book at the your suggested retail price. We are not looking at your book yeah. as some Don't devalue it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's to me it's like, you know, I wouldn't go to I don't know what what's a what's a good place that sells a great hamburger. Um, uh, Bur- let's say Burger Lounge. <laughs> Shake Shack. I wouldn't go to Burger go, go Lounge go. with my little bag of McDonald's, From McDonald's. hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. And expect to be seated at a table. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like it's the same thing. It, yeah. It kind of so it's well put. Yeah. And yeah. so it really is. You know, ask yourself why you want this. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna and what we're gonna do in our little store. I mean, we're a bigger store today, but it's like. We're going to now put you in our newsletters. You're going to get in the UT's calendar. You're going to get right. some things. Is Amazon doing any of that stuff for you? No. You no, know? they're actively trying to take money from you. Correct. Yeah. Successfully. Correct. So it's so it's so that's where sometimes with when we say yes or no to an independently published in San Diego local authors, that's why we did the weekends with locals program mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. to try because we do understand that there you needs do to a be, lot of community. We try really hard yeah. to give people a platform, and we understand that saying that you've been at Warwick's is kind of a, a it's a big it's, deal. It's a big deal, you yeah. know. And we understand that, but we're still a business, and we just we can't be everything to everybody. We're not a charity. Can we're you not a me, library. Yeah, we're not a that's, museum. That's it. You're not a library. Right. Or not a museum. Can you think of a a local author who's recently come and done an event and just really sold a lot of books that you were like super proud of? We have a kids book um, that's self published, and I I can't remember the title because I'm not involved in that uh, that side of the buying. Right. But we sold, it was on our bestseller list for the week. We nice. sold like 25, 30 copies. Mm. And, and with, that's a lot. With nothing on our part except putting it out. And nice. it's a $30 book. Wow. Matt Coyles do, does really yeah. well for us. Matt does Is he very independently well. published? He's Ocean View. Okay. So he's Ocean View. So it's, that's when I think one of those hybrid ones too. Yeah. I just yeah. think, you know. But Matt does. Or a small press. Small press or a small press. Well, yeah. I keep trying, telling Matt he needs to go to a, a bigger house. Yeah. He's ready. He's he's completely ready. Yeah. Yeah. But see, but I think there again though, it's the patience thing. Yeah. It's like 
Matt likes having a book every day. Now, if he goes traditional, he might be it's two gonna years out. It's going to slow his machine down. It's going to slow his machine down. There'll be so, a hiatus. Well, yeah. yeah. And so that's where that traditional publishing machine does move very slow. Mm-hmm. And back to your thing about the if somebody's giving you $10,000 or whatever it is for a book, you might be the shiny penny mm-hmm. for a while and mm-hmm. you're going to get all this attention and you're going to get all of this. And then your next book, depending on how that book sells, yeah. mm-hmm. will depend on if you're still the shiny penny the next book around. Right. You know. I know we're running out of time. Yeah. And I have a couple more things I want to talk about. So, this is going to need to be a part two, I think. I, maybe it does. <laughs> maybe it does. But like you, you guys really champion debut authors. Yes. Mm. Can you just talk to us a little bit about why that's close to your heart? You want to go? I'll go. Yeah. I love debut authors. Okay. And it's because it's something fresh mm. and new. And it's, and giving that leg up. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I, especially through the pandemic, I just wanted to help as many debut because there is nothing probably worse than hmm. launching a book during a pandemic. During lockdown. During lockdown. So we did our best, but I love a debut just for, I I think it's fresh and mm. it's something that is it's a exciting. new voice. It's exciting. And the chance that, and hey, it's the, again, the needle in the haystack. That debut may not be the next mm. big thing but if it does become the next big thing there's kind of like a we knew it you're proud of that yeah, yeah you were you part know, of that it was like so yeah i love the debut like the they, mothers the mothers Britt bennett yeah, yeah i mean and back in the day halad husseini you know mm-hmm. kite runner was you know we had what 20 people oh my in the gosh store that book was that, amazing. you know yeah and so sometimes it's really like oh we knew it was going to be big no no there's, no there's a <laughs> there's a lot that you know yeah. that yeah. has to happen for something to become big. Yeah. But I love the day. And that book was fire for sure. Yeah. Well, and Britt Bennett, I just Bennett. I, I love her. We right. actually hosted an event for Amy Tan's Joy Luck Club. Did you really? And partly because Sandy awesome. Dykstra was her agent. Okay. And she right. brought right. the manuscript to the buyer at the time oh. and said, I think this is going to be big. And she was right. And uh, the buyer read it. We bought the book for the store. And then it just skyrocketed. Wait, another one was the firm. Didn't you guys host Dan Brown to like 10 people for the firm? Uh, not the firm. Um, oh. Um, oh, no. not um, His first book. His first book. Da Vinci, Code. Da, Vin- yeah. da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Because yeah. John Grisham was sorry. Boy, John Grisham hopefully is not listening to the premise <laughs> right now. I should have been did. on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. But no, Da Vinci Code for yeah. Dan Brown, you know, because this was before Angels the Angels Cal- and Demons. I had a bookseller that loved his first book. Mm. was selling it to everybody and so when da vinci da vinci came out, out, but we, it, we hosted him before the catholic controversy yeah. before the catholics got a hold of it so mm. there were only like 10 people but that stuff. helped the book because <laughs> every oh, catholic sure. in the world yeah. went out and bought it. bought it for sure there's no bad publicity right <laughs> correct well people are well okay yeah, hey. how'd American Dirt end up? Uh-huh. Actually, it's oh, that's still a... at Costco in <laughs> trade. And, and it ends up on our bestseller list. It floats up and down on our bestseller list. And so. I'm just going to say it. I loved that book. I liked it, too. Me, too. I loved it. It's a novel. It's, it's a novel. novel. It's Remember, fiction. it's yeah. fiction. <clears throat> There's some dirty things in there we could dig up. That, sure. I mean, but that's not a conversation yeah, for today, no. I guess. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Jesus. Good job, crap. Chad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it. So we're coming to the end. I have one more question. The top three pieces of advice you have for an author of any ilk who wants to get into your store. What are the things they need to think about? Don't mention Amazon. Number one. Okay. <laughs> Number one, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, patience. Okay. All right. I mean, we are inundated. Mm. Inundated. Mm. And every buyer. Every buyer. Yeah. Is at whatever store. And no why you want to why do you want to be there mm-hmm. why do you want why why is it important is for it just you, to say to be, you've, you're on the shelf right or, why yeah. is it important for you to be in warwick's mm. um and it's it i know it's hard to educate but you have to see you have to come into the store and see what we have and what we do and does your book fit in that yeah where do you see it where do you see you it? know that's the number one piece of advice i give people is define your bookshelf right right you know where's your bookshelf where's and what your... are the four books on the shelf with Correct. your book mm-hmm. walk around our store where do you see your book yeah in well, this well and the thing we talk about a lot between us is start going to writing workshops yes like w- workshop it with other writers mm. um you'll, you'll learn so much i think we get 
so many people that just think they don't need to do any of that. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, and, you know, everything, if, if you're meant to do this and you've got a story to tell and you've got the skill to do it, it's still going to require practice, education. It's not like you're just going to, oh, here, mm -hmm. here it is. It's with, <laughs> like with any skill, you've got to do it and put in the time to do it well and to do it and right. And that's why, I mean, I don't have, you know, the in, whether it's independent or traditional, you have to have a team behind you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever that team is, whether it's a bunch of... And that doesn't no. mean your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And it happens a lot. It happens okay. a lot. My wife, I get that a lot. My wife yeah. is an excellent editor. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that, that to, to Adrian's point, is people do think that it's like, I've written this, you're a bookstore, therefore you must. Right, right. And it's like, going back to we're a business do you guys appreciate sell sheets you know that has all the marketing details and everything behind it and personally yeah no really? i don't know about you interesting i don't have enough time to read them all got it right. yes and no i mean they they have a purpose i mean they show some initiative mm -hmm. some professionalism mm -hmm. right. for me right i mean honestly and it goes back to honestly i think mm -hmm. it's less important for you less important for me yeah. more important for you but but for me for you it's like a markup right mm -hmm. Adrian? a little okay. bit yeah um, a cover. You want like, the cover. Like, I yeah. want the cover. Good covers. Cover, Great covers. Title, and yeah, cover and title. The pertinent, and, and, the pertinent information. Right. And what that cover looks like <laughs> can can determine a lot. Yeah, it really can. And it and and what and I go back to the product to a little bit. It had you know when you look at a shelf of books, you can pick out the ones that aren't professionally done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can yeah. spot them. So a mile you can spot them a yeah. mile away. Mm -hmm. So, and we are limited at what we can do and bring in. Well, um, and if you come into the store, which I encourage people to do, you'll see that we don't have every inch of space is being used. Mm -hmm. um, and right. then don't cold call and go into a store and expect the buyer or the events person to just drop everything and come out and have, and a, have conversation a conversation with we you get, that's what we to get give our you worst, free advice. Right. We get our worst Yelp reviews <laughs> in that. I've gotten a horrible Yelp review because I said, you know, I really need you to email. I went and stood in front of her and she told me to email her. It's like, yeah, because I have an event with 500 people coming in 10 minutes. So you know I can't talk to you right now. I recommend that these people join an organization like Independent Book Publishers Association yes. and get all those answers yes. in advance so that when you go to your book buyer, you're prepared. Do right. your homework. With the Do professional book. We're not... We try to educate, but if we spent all of our time educating people, we would not have time to do our jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and I discourage cold cold call. Cold calling. Just, in general, I don't think anyone likes it. No. I don't think my grandma likes it. Can you go to, can you go to your lawyer and just like walk in and go, hey, <laughs> hey, Chad, I need to Well, and then something. don't Let me pick your brain. Don't email and then follow up with the f five phone calls because someone didn't respond to your email. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like with, I said, patience. You, patience. you, you and I patience. probably get on oh, average a hundred emails a day mm. that have huh. some kind of action. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> ah. I feel your pain. Yeah. I do think email is the bane of my existence. It is. It is. It is. Especially if I get twenty emails from one person from one person. twenty different questions. Right. It's like, oh, in this, and oh, in that. I'm like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Please put them in one email and send Please. them tomorrow and, and learn what a thread is. <laughs> yeah. If, and if I had a dollar for every email I've gotten. From somebody who said, I'm a great customer of yours. Oh. And mm -hmm. then I go look them up in our frequent And they've fire. never bought. Because you have that. And they info. haven't been in the store, you know, like in 10 years. Yeah. It's yeah. like, hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Wow. <laughs> distribution is a big deal. <laughs> so distribution, a polished book, know your audience. I mean, know that's really know who yep. your buyers are. Yep. And be polite. I think mm. what this comes down to is right. people, you said it earlier, Julie, don't just expect because we're a bookstore and we have shelf space that we're going to take your book. Right. We're all in this business to make money. Right. And so do it smartly. Yeah. And with patience. And, and Amazon might be the best place for your and it book. it might be. Yeah. Amazon might actually be the best place for your mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. Bookstores are not the only places to sell books. Correct. Mm -hmm. you, like I said, you might, independent, Warwick's might not be the place mm -hmm. to sell your book. Mm -hmm. This goes back to know your audience. Well, yeah. you heard it here, folks. Ladies, thank you so much. This thank really you. Fun. <laughs> for being on the premise. The official partner of the San Diego Writers Festival, which, by the way, dear listener, is October 8th of this year in person in Coronado. We are so excited. Bravo. I know. Okay. We did it. 
I can't even believe it, actually. We did two years of hybrid. We made it through this pandemic. We still like each other. I mean, there's a lot of things to be proud of. Chad, any final notes? No. No jokes to end the day? I, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> I think we've... <laughs> I mean, mostly we still like each other, right? Yeah, mostly. Mostly. Well, thank you again so much for coming out and being here in person and answering all these questions. They're really important for, for authors to know and understand the industry, you know, where you're headed. Because if I always look at it as like an end game, and I think one mm -hmm. of you said that in the very beginning, what's your end game? Then you work backward from there, you know, and make choices. Dear listener, you can learn more about Warwicks and buy books from them online at warwicks.com. This has been another episode of The Premise. Visit us online at thepremisepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at podpremise and subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, folks, this is Jennifer. And as you know, The Premise is the official podcast of the San Diego Writers Festival, which, by the way, is happening this October, October 8th, in fact, 2022. It's going live be, and in person. Yeah, live and in person. I'm really, really excited. We um, we have so many exciting things happening. So many exciting speakers. They're coming in from all over, and we want you to be there. So Coronado Public Library, the fourth annual San Diego Writers Festival. San Diego Writers Festival .com. You can subscribe to learn more about our programming and get on the list to win free books and all kinds of cool stuff happening. So San sure. Diego Writers Festival dot com. Dot com. <laughs>